Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. March is a pretty important month on the United Nations Observances Calendar. March 21 is the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. March 24 is the International Day for the Right to the Truth Concerning Gross Human Rights Violations and for the Dignity of Victims. Our guest this week is Mark. He's a social worker and he shares some of the things that he saw when he was working in Africa, including a secret that he kept the entire time. Well, I was working uh, in a, a, a care home for adults with learning disabilities and the one of the managers there, um, she, she ran a care home in um, Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. And it was through talking to her while at work about what she managed to do out there. I just wanted to go and see for myself. I was about 18 at the time, had no ties, and I thought, well, what a you know, great thing to do in the holidays. So I spent, um, originally it was just going to be a few weeks, but went on a long period of time working in um, Zimbabwe in a, in a hospital for um, children with profound needs. Wow, what was that like? It, it was it was amazing. It was very well equipped, and it was run by a group of um, nuns. I can't remember what convent they were from, but it was a an order, Catholic nuns, and they were just amazing. There was these really profoundly disabled young children, um, uh, with the most with the most uh, heart breaking diseases and illnesses you could possibly imagine. Basically, would be left there and have no parents, and then these nuns were there supporting them. And one of the most interesting things was that water was in uh, quite a, was short, was lots of shortage of water there. And in one of the wards in the hospital where I was working, they had just one bath, and because there wasn't much water, everyone had the same water. So you'd start off bathing one of the children, and the next child would come along, and you'd bath them. So by the end of the end of the morning, you'd bath twenty or thirty people, and it was the same water, which would get darker and darker. Wow. But what they what, what they lacked in like facilities, they made up with love because these nuns were the most kind and caring people you could possibly come across. Doesn't it restore our our um, attitude towards humanity when we see that? You know, it does, and you know what? It just and even from then, it made me realise it's, it's a very materialistic world. You know, but when you go out somewhere like in Africa and you see how these people were were being looked after with, with limited resources, but with this the sort of love which was difficult to, to um, comprehend, really, how people could manage with such small amounts of material things, really. But, but but they were amazing what they did out there. What sort of dangers did you come across while you were there? Well, it was like um, at night time. It was just after, it's going back a long time now, it was it was just literally after the, the War of Independence. And um, you, you might not have remembered, but there was a war with Mugabe and his rival, Joshua Nkomo, and it was centred in a place called Bulawayo, and these two rival terrorists were, were at, at, this t- at that stage they were called terrorists before they became the government. They were, by certain people, they were sort of terrorists anyway. And um, in the evening, you could hear the um, you could hear the gunfire going off. So I was I was house sitting, and at night you could hear the firing of the guns in the distance. And and even travelling to the hospital, where I was with this like hospital, was hospital working care home, stroke hospital. You'd have to go through three or four roadblocks to get there, and each roadblock you'd approach it, and you didn't know if it was a terrorist or if it was a member of the government. And you'd just get out of the car, and then you'd be searched, and then you'd have to go back in the car. And after you've shown all your documentation, then you go, then you go there, and then coming back home in the evening, it was the same sort of journey back as well. So, it, and it, it was difficult because at night you never slept really well because you were always worried that what you know someone's going to try and break in the night. 
that brings back memories of when I was living in New York City up in uh, Puerto Rican Harlem and I used to hear gunshots at night and think, well, where am I, you know? <laughs> It's a, it was a, it was a funny, um, yeah, it was, a, it was, a, it was a funny place to be, really. And, and when I went out there, my parents couldn't believe you. Know, you going to Zimbabwe? It's just a new country, but there's lots of upheaval, and and people couldn't believe why would you, all the places to go to? Why go there? Did you say that something about a, a a car bomb or something? What what prompted you to return? I was offered the job, and I was only about twenty three. Offered the job to run a, a care home in a place called Amanzantoti, which is on the coast. For 60 people with um, learning disabilities, brand new centre. With learning disabilities? Again, but, but the interesting thing was they were quite proud by saying that they were multiracial because although they, it wasn't the area of apartheid, they actually had homes for different race groups. So, for example, they had a home for Indian children and a home for African children, a home for coloured people and a home for white people. Wow. Which now, it sounds absolutely atrocious, doesn't it? But at that stage, to them... That's what they call multiracial. That's the sort of setup I actually went to work in. And it was all segregated. It was all segregated. It was segregated at the stage. Even the staff who worked for me, um, <clears throat> they were segregated. So, like, we had living staff there. And it's awful to say now, and I'm quite embarrassed to talk about it, but um, you know, whites, the white staff or the European staff were on one salary, and then the African um, staff were on a different salary. And the white accommodation was very nice. We had, we had flats in the grounds of this, of this big building we worked in. And the African staff were like, had like a shared, like it was like a, well, a shared toilet in the bathroom for about like five or six people, just one room with no real facilities, just a cement block. With things. Oh, no, terrible. And I stayed there for three years and I was married there. And, and then one day we were there, I lived close to the town centre and um, I was in my office working, working, and I heard this, bang, and I thought, it was, I, couldn't, I couldn't think what it actually was. It, I thought someone's, there's been a car crash or something, and what I realised quite soon afterwards was it, it was a, an explosion had gone off in the shopping centre, oh, no. which was about a mile away from where I was living. So it's just at Christmas, and the whole shopping floor, you know, above the, above the, um, the indoor shopping centre, the, the cars are parking above that, and the whole floor collapsed, and the cars came down to the people, and there's quite a lot of people killed, and it was, and my wife at the time had just just come out of the bookshop there. She bought some Christmas presents. She missed it by well minutes. Wow! So she came back very shaken, and it was at that stage I thought, well, you know, I can't live like this anymore, really, because she was living on your nerves. The country was going through turmoil, and although you tried to to think that you're there to make a difference to people's lives, the people you're looking after. You, st- you still had to try and like live, have a life for yourself. That's right. That's when I came back from spending a few years working in a in a, in a setup out there. But it was interesting because although I was the manager of the care of the, quite a large setup care home, because of sanctions you couldn't get equipment. So even though it was for working with people with quite profound needs, you still couldn't get some of the wheelchairs. You couldn't get the hoist. You couldn't get the equipment because of because of the sanctions placed on the country. Wow. So it was it was a very strange setup to to work in, and and some of the African staff. What was amazing that they used to come to work so clean and I mean and that sounds but, but if I explain what I mean by that, it wasn't until I actually took some of these staff home and you know, they took water with them. I realised they had no running water, they had no electricity, but they used to come to work spotless and they used to walk miles and miles these young staff to get water so they could actually um, wash themselves and wash their uniforms to come to work clean the next day and that was so humbling to thinking that these people 
put that much effort in just to come to work and they're always on time, always polite. That's our guest Mark, who is a social worker. In part two, he shares the secret that he kept during the whole time he was doing his work in Africa. Light and Life, the Salvo's weekly radio show.